And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Welcome back. I'm Tom Laurie, and today our guest is Bowden college professor and writer-in-residence, Anthony Walton. Anthony is best known as the author of A Chapbook of Poems, Cricket Weather, and for his nonfiction work, Mississippi, An American Journey, as well as being the co-editor of the vintage book of African-American poetry, 1750 to 2000. He has received the Whiting Writers Award, and his poems and essays have appeared regularly in the New York Times, Harper's, and The Atlantic, among other magazines. Today, we're going to talk about teachers who have shaped our lives, the art of writing, storytelling, and the importance of education in shaping our future and our role as citizens. So let's get started. Welcome, Anthony. Thank you for joining me. Yes, thank you for having me, Tom. Let's start, you know, as I did the intro, what is a chapbook? When I read that, what is a chapbook? A chapbook is a book of poems that is basically shorter. It's 12 pages, 20 pages, 25 pages, not much more than 25 pages, but it's uh, shorter and often the poems are all related to each other in a certain way. And your vintage book of African-American poetry, 1750 to 2000, that must be a remarkable, I haven't read it, uh, but I'm curious because it covers quite an interesting period in the United States. Uh, I, I, and I, I may, maybe you can comment on it. It looks fascinating. Well, thank you. That was a very interesting project because uh, when we did that project and the person I worked on it with, the late Michael Harper, who was my mentor in graduate school and life, um, one of them. When we did that together, that sort of project had never been done before. African American poetry had not been looked at in its uh, complete history. And it was very interesting for us to just kind of sit down and go back to the beginning, which is pre revolutionary. Right. You know, oftentimes African American culture is not thought about in that way but we've always been here people have always been doing things and so to go back to particularly the most famous poet would be Phyllis Wheatley and um, to read forward from her time she was in Boston uh, again before the revolution and then to just come forward decade by decade by decade up to the present when you know the year 2000 it was a really kind of astonishing project it was one of those projects where you kind of learned as much as you imparted 
you know, in terms of um, the information and knowledge that we were able to uh, impart to our readers, but we learned an enormous amount putting it together. And it, I think, I mean, this is, of course, my opinion, but I think we also caused a kind of shift of perception of African-American poetry because folks had not seen it all in one place done chronologically before. And so it was an honor to be able to be one of the people that shepherded that project through. Yeah, the fact that you did it chronologically, at least for me, it would be fascinating because of the various periods in our history that you're, these poets were or poets and poetry were about, uh, which would show a, a big shift over time in terms of what was going on. So that, that looks fascinating. Well, let's. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit about Bowdoin. Tell us about Bowdoin. It's. Uh, I just saw it made uh, one of the top private liberal arts colleges in the country. Uh, so it's a pretty prominent school. But tell us a little bit about that. I don't think a lot of people know about Bowdoin. Well, Bowdoin is a um, private liberal arts college. Um, we have a little more than 1,600 students. We're located in Brunswick, Maine, which is uh, about 20 miles north of Portland on the coast. Oh, wow. Um, we have a very strong humanities. We have strong uh, social sciences. We have very strong uh, hard sciences. Uh, we have some unique things in the hard sciences that we're able to do because of where we are, um, including environmental sciences, environmental studies. Um, they call it EOS, which is Earth and Oceanographic Studies. We have a program that is just starting to come into its own called um, Coastal Studies which I'm proud that I'm involved in. I'm also involved with environmental studies. Um, and we're able to get um, very, very serious students who kind of come up here in the Maine woods and work pretty hard, but then are able to go out into the world and do big things. You know, we have lots of kids that go to wall street that go to medical school law school we're prominent in politics i mean in entertainment and publishing you know Bowdoin punches way above its weight uh in pretty much every field and we're very proud of that and that's kind of by design but you know we're just very fortunate to have uh, very dedicated alumni. And, you know, it's, it's in certain ways, in some ways it's very different from our alma mater, Notre Dame, but in other ways it's very much like it in terms of the uh, pride that the community takes in both itself and then what we're able to do, how we're able to affect the world. And it's a lot of fun working with these kinds of students is just exhilarating. 
Well, I don't want to start on our next subject just yet because we're going to go to break. So let's go a little earlier and we're going to be back in a few. We're going to talk about Sister Adeline when we come back. Uh, we'll be back with our guest mentor, Bowdoin College professor and writer, Anthony Walton. If you're interested in the wisdom of people who have succeeded in all walks of life, I urge you to go to our website, thementorsradio.com and click on list of shows to listen to past guests, including Ram Sharan, Dolores Hart, Rich Carlgaard, and Harold Burson. This is Tom Laurie, and you're listening to The Mentors Radio Show. Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of Bulletproof founder, Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus, like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. Feelgreat.vip to learn more. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com. And mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Loy, and I'm with Bowdoin Professor Anthony Walton, and we're talking about teachers who have shaped our lives, the art of writing, storytelling, and the importance of education in shaping our future. Remember, you can also listen to this show or any previous show via podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, Google, and more on any device at any time. Subscribe at thementorsradio.com. All right, let's talk about those teachers. I got a whole bunch I want to ask you about. Sister Adeline's at the top of the list. Who is Sister Adeline and what did she do to shape your future? Well, Sister Adeline was a nun and guidance counselor she also taught a few classes, but she was mostly a guidance counselor at my high school, uh, Aurora Central Catholic in Aurora, Illinois. And she took an interest in me from freshman year, ninth grade. Uh, she was always someone that I could talk to who was, you know, challenging, but in a supportive way. Um, she 
when I think back about her, it's always interesting to me about how she was able to be both very stern and very playful. But she um, had a great deal to do with not just what I did in high school, um, which was considerable. She always challenged me, you know, to go for, first of all, to go for the college preparatory program instead of the regular academic program, and then to go for advanced placement program. Uh, we had an advanced placement program in our high school that only had uh, five or six kids, <laughs> but it was a wonderful um, track and it prepared us wonderfully for college and she challenged me to get into that and one of the things that she was able to do for me was my parents didn't know a lot about how the American educational system worked because my father was born on a plantation in Mississippi um, had a fifth grade education um, was just kind of crazy about education and worked a lot to teach himself many different things. But he was determined that I and my brother and sister would do much better uh, education-wise and have more opportunities. My mother had a high school diploma from a black high school in Mississippi in the 1950s. Um, so she had had more formal education, but didn't know a lot about how you maneuvered. Sister Adeline helped us come to see that and say that, well, you know, you're smart enough to do this. You can do this. You can think about this. You can think about that. Um, then as I started moving forward, you know, she insisted that I take the SAT, you know, beginning with the PSAT. I did very well on those tests. Um, I absolutely smoked the ACT. And part of what I mean about how she is, or was, I'm sorry. Um, I remember when she called me in to tell me the grade that I got for my ACT. And it was like from zero to 33, I think, something like that. And she sat there and she looked at me with this like look of great disappointment on her face. And I came in and I was actually, you know, and she just looked at me and shook her head and then she pushed it across and she's like, you only got a 32. That's the playful, the playful part of her. Yes, you know, and, um, you know, but it, it's the kind of thing I wouldn't have known what those tests meant without her guidance. I wouldn't have known to prepare to take them seriously, that they would have a big part of having options in the future. And, you know, Getting those kinds of scores, having the kind of academic success I was having, meant schools were starting to come to me. And then that's the other place at that time in my life that she had a great, great influence. 
because she helped me sort all that out and really kind of decided along with my parents that I was going to go to Notre Dame, which was another just incredibly pivotal kind of choice for me. So uh, when I think back to her kindness and to the way she looked out for me and by extension my family, um, it's kind of, you know, I mean, people who experienced those kinds of institutions, we have all have stories like that because those are the kind of people who were there and they were there often to do those kinds of things. But if you are the recipient, it's still kind of awesome, literally, to think back at what you were able to experience. And we stayed friends after. She even came to visit me, you know, in New York City, when I came to New York City, it's kind of funny. She came to check out my apartment and <laughs> make sure everything was on the up and up. Um, she was just a wonderful, wonderful person. And, you know, Italian woman from Milwaukee. And this had been her entire life. Beautiful. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Metrics Radio Show. We're with Anthony Walter, winner of the Whiting Writers Award and author of Mississippi and American Journey. So she uh, stayed with you after uh, you had gone on to Notre Dame. And yeah. let's move quickly, and then we'll carry some of this into the next segment. Uh, so you go off to Notre Dame, and first semester wasn't quite that good for you, was it? No. no. And you came, you came home, and your dad had a few words for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was, uh, his view was basically, first of all, I was like, well, maybe it isn't the right school. Maybe I should go somewhere else. And he's like, no. And then he's like, if you don't go back, I hope you enjoy the Air Force. And <laughs> he meant it. He had been in the Air Force. But also it was, you're going back, and if you don't, and you don't succeed, this is ridiculous, don't come back, you know? And he was serious. Because, and your dad worked uh, in a mill or something, right? In a, yes. And he was all about excellence and character. Yes. 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 He, he was a guy who left Mississippi by himself when he was 14 years old to try and get off the plantation and actually make money that, because often they were not paid. They were exploited and they were paid in money from the plantation store. And so they would like spend all that money on their groceries and clothes that they could only buy from the owner. I mean, quite frankly, it was just another form of slavery. And it didn't really end until the 1950s, that Jim Crow system. So he left to, first he went to Memphis, Tennessee, and worked construction as a young teenager. Then he came to Chicago, also on his own, and started working. But 
as I say, he was very much a kind of autodidact. He was constantly open to new things. And he began to see that if you could learn, you could get somewhere. And it was crucial to him. Well, we're going to come back in a few minutes with our guest mentor, Bowdoin College professor and writer, Anthony Walton. Remember, you can now listen to our Saturday broadcasts on iHeartRadio or afterwards anywhere, anytime by subscribing to our podcast at TheMentorsRadio.com. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org. Oathbook.org. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com and mention The Mentor. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with Bowdoin Professor Anthony Walton. We're talking about teachers who have shaped our lives, the art of writing, storytelling, and the importance of education in shaping our future and our role as a citizen. 
Uh, let's jump to, uh, I've got a lot, I mean, I got so much material, I could probably spend two hours with you talking about all that. I do want to mention one of my guests uh, in the last year was Gork Ng from Harvard, whose family came from Vietnam, and he ended up at Harvard via Toronto, I bet, believe. And anyways, he wrote a book, he had the same experience. He didn't have a father, he didn't have uncles. He didn't have a map uh, on how to move forward in life. And he wrote a book called Unspoken Rules. I just uh, point that out for our guests. Uh, so, and he's uh, from Vietnam. So it's, it's interesting, it's kind of a similar story in terms of trying to, not having a map on finding out where to go and how to do things. Um, well, if I could add something very quickly to that, Tom, I do think that that is absolutely crucial because I have found, because, you know, I've been a lot of places in society and known people at many different levels of society, and it, there are areas of society that understand how it works, and then there are areas of society that don't. And I think that that's one of the things that we as a society could do better is having that be more widely known. And as a teacher, a professor, you now see yourself sometimes on the other side of the table with these students coming in. I, I, I've got to believe you pay it forward where you can. Um, certainly. Uh, very much so. And, um, you know, that's one of the most rewarding parts is to be able to say to a student, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Um, you know, for example, students who are very serious about secondary school teaching, which I'm very serious about, um, being able to steer them to, let's say, one of the good MAT programs where they can both bump up their skill and their credentials. And a lot of times they've never heard of that. And a lot of times those places, particularly if the kids come from a disadvantaged background, they can go for free and they've never heard of it. And so you're able to say, go talk to these folks. And I'm blessed having done this several times to be able these schools are often looking for someone from me. And so it does work as a kind of virtuous circle. And are you familiar with Andre Nowen, who was a teacher at Notre Dame, CSC? He was a Holy Cross father? Yes. Uh, there was a book written about him called The Wounded Prophet. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, but in our wounds, in all of our wounds, everybody suffers some kind of through that we learn and then we can pay it forward to other people. I mean, that's really the essence of it. He was wounded and in his wounds, he found himself and then paid it forward with other people with his life. As you well know, he's got a terrific story on the things that he did going forward. So yeah. I want to cut, I we're going to run out of time and I got so much to cover. I want to go jump into Notre Dame and talk about uh, the associate Dean, Donald Sigowski. And the role he played in your life. Um, I think I spelled it, spell, said his name correctly. Uh, Snigowski. Uh, he may have been, if there was one single person or one single moment in my life um, where someone made the decisive help 
it was probably that moment. I had done very poorly that first semester. Part of the reason was that I had fallen into the student publications and was writing and editing and spending all my time over there. I also, um, although I'd done well in high school and I came from a good school, I also had not really learned because I was so bright, I hadn't really learned how to grind. Uh, the way, as you know, you have to at Notre Dame. Um, so one of the wonderful things at that time at Notre Dame was in order to register for the next semester, you had to meet with one of the deans. So I am in line, I go up, I get Dean Snagowski completely by accident, never met him. He looks at my card and he kind of stares at it and he's, looks back at me and he says, Walton, are you the one that writes? And I thought I was in trouble because I was writing all this crazy stuff about punk rock and all these, you know, cultural things and fancying myself an intellectual rebel. So I'm thinking, uh-oh. And he turns to his secretary and he says, do I have time tomorrow? And she says, 1.30. He says, you come to my office tomorrow at 1.30. So I did. I thought that, you know, I was on my way to the Air Force, you know. But he looks at me and he says, you are not doing well enough at school for the mind you have. He says, I'm going to start seeing that you get to the professors that are going to be able to work with you. And he did. He began to point me to this professor, that professor, and suddenly, Zoom, you know, and um, some of the professors I was able to work with, Milton Locksburg, Larry Simon, Douglas Kinsey, um, it just kind of Ernest Sandine in particular, who worked with me even though he was um, retired. He was emeritus by that time. Um, but he was a wonderful poet and English professor, uh, and they arranged so that I could work with him. Um, and it was all because um, Dean Snagowski took the time to see me as an individual, not just a widget coming down the conveyor belt. And again, I'm, you know, don't quite know what to say, but... Um, as you alluded to a moment ago, it's part of something I try to do in terms of for my students to try if I can. And it's not an easy thing because, first of all, students have to want you to enter in that sort of relationship. And you have to be able to use your judgment to see if that sort of relationship is developing. And then you have to try to understand them as a whole person. And, you know, sometimes they come from a well-off family that has one kind of resources. Sometimes they come from a poor family or a family that's very rural. They don't know a lot about how the system works. 
So you have to work that way. Sometimes you work with the parents. Sometimes the students don't want you to talk to the parents. But I am living proof of what that sort of intervention can do. All right, we're going to be back in a few minutes with our guest mentor, Bowdoin College professor and writer, Anthony Walton. You'll find all our show notes and links at TheMentorsRadio.com. When you're there, make sure you subscribe so you do not miss any of our shows. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org, oathbook.org. It's Karen, executive producer of The Mentors Radio, and we're thrilled to have my pillow back as a sponsor. All of us here are huge fans of Mike Lindell's products. When I got fed up with the chemical smell of other pillows, I figured my pillows made in the U.S. I'll give them a try. That was years ago. Now I own six pillows. I use their cotton towels, their 100% Giza cotton bed sheets, and I give them away as Christmas gifts. Every product has exceptional quality and attention to detail. Towels are thick, absorbent. Sheets are soft, smooth, high thread count. Our radio host, Tom, and everyone we know who's tried these products has the same experience. Use our code MENTORS to get a 60-day money-back guarantee and up to 60% discount. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash MENTORS. You must include the code MENTORS. That's MyPillow.com forward slash MENTORS or click the banner on our website. And now... Back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with Bowdoin Professor Anthony Walton. We're talking about teachers who have shaped our lives, the art of writing, storytelling, and the importance of education shaping our future. So I, I've been a quickly, you've written a lot about a lot of things. And rather than have you tell a story about each one, let me just hit a couple of high points, and then we're going to get into uh uh, teaching and students and communication. Uh, but a couple of the points I picked up uh, is that John, Professor John Matthias, uh, you said it was somebody that taught, he led you outward. He forced students away from the natural, easy interests that they had into the unknown where they might learn something. That's a key. So I wanted to bring that out of Professor James Robinson. There is a world outside our own thoughts and beliefs. Uh, Professor Sandine, who you talked about, he, he said he taught you patience, carefulness, staying the course, and don't concern yourself with that which is beyond your control, namely recognition and achievement, where so many people today are focused on trying to gain that. And that time is really the sole judge of success. And I'm going to let you 
finish by telling a little story about Professor Duffy and the collected poems of Wallace <laughs> Stevens. Uh, well, Pro Professor Duffy was uh, another, he was both a wonderful man and quite a character. Um, he was kind of classic old school Notre Dame professor. He taught poetry, modern poetry. And over time, he and I developed a sort of bantering relationship where uh, he was very hard on me, but I could also kid him a little bit and he would go along with it. And so for senior year, we had a poetry seminar and one of the books he had us purchase was um, The Collected Poems of Wallace Stevens which was a huge 500-page book. Um, it was like $25 or $30, like even then, big hardcover. And so in class, I just spoke up, you know, causing trouble. And I said, uh, why are you making us, this book is a cost of fortune. Why are you making us buy this? This is ridiculous. And he just looked at me and he said, Mr. Walton, you will own that book the rest of your life. And it turned out to be true. You know, I have that book with me when I teach Wallace Stevens, that copy of it. And um, it was just another one of those kind of magical moments. But um, it's, it's, just interesting and I can see it though now that I'm on the other side of that because you know I have students that I've seen from the moment that they came into class I could tell that there was something going on and that with the right kind of support and it's one of the things that I really enjoy about Bowdoin because we have a lot of ways of helping them um, in terms of being able to give them summer support and things like that. I'm Laura. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. We are with Anthony Walton, winner of the Whiting Writers Award and a, an author of Mississippi and American Journey. And I wanted to mention also that you were talking about your dad in Mississippi. And uh, as I understand it, I haven't read the book, but Mississippi is a journey for you back to Mississippi to learn a lot about your past. We don't have time. It sounds like a great subject in its own right. But let's let's move on and talk about teaching. So you, you got all, now you're a teacher and you got all these kids coming in. I, I guess something that uh, all of us would ask is, because we hear so much about it in the press, what students come in as freshmen, and I know you don't have the STEM students, you have some STEM students, but not as many as uh, Notre Dame. What are you seeing as lacking with regards to writing and communication skills? Well, um, Tom, that's an interesting question because it has changed over time. And it seems like the students change every four, five, six years. There's a kind of small generational evolution. Right now, what I feel that the students are lacking at Bowdoin is a kind of curiosity that I feel they are often quite skilled now as writers of 
you know, functional pros. They can write a sentence. They can express their basic thoughts quite clearly, but they don't seem to have a kind of just curiosity or hunger for that thing that is beyond you, as Professor Robinson would say. Um, you know, if I teach a poetry workshop, they haven't read much poetry on their own. You know, it seems like in secondary school now, they're not encouraged to dive into an anthology and try to find out what's out there. Um, if they're in cinema, they haven't watched hundreds of movies. Um, and I feel like a lot of that time that for people in my generation, certainly the generation before mine, and probably the generation after mine, a lot of the time that we put into those sorts of things, reading and watching, is now going into social media and video games. So while those kids are hitting their marks as students, that extra kind of intellectual curiosity that often leads to something big, that's something that I am concerned about, even at a school like Bowdoin. And that's the one thing that I would change at the moment. But the students, you know, they're very serious. They work very hard. But they're just not quite as, you know, and of course, and I hate talking like this because it makes me sound like, you know, <laughs> the old dude, these kids now, you know. <laughs> but that is what I think. And it does concern me a little bit. And do you think the lack of curiosity is something that comes from the family or from their uh, uh, secondary education? Um, I think it comes from technology and from these new things. Um, I mean, I am very much against social media. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, I don't participate in any social media. And a lot of people think that that's nuts and particularly nuts for a writer, but I feel like so much of our psychic energy is going into that now as a society, and it's leading us almost to a kind of, and again, I don't want to use a word incorrectly or make too much of it, but a kind of soft narcissism where things become more and more about you or here or what's going on or this kind of performance of where you're conscious of making things look good to others rather than just being. And, and I mean, a lot of people have written much more profoundly and in depth Jaron Lanier, Jonathan Haidt, people like that, than anything I could say. But that is something that does concern me. Well, let's come back and talk a little bit more about that. We're with guest mentor, Bowdoin College professor and writer, Anthony Walton. You'll find all of our show notes and links at thementorsradio.com. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. 
Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of Bulletproof founder Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. Feelgreat.vip to learn more. It's Karen, executive producer of The Mentors Radio, and we're thrilled to have My Pillow back as a sponsor. All of us here are huge fans of Mike Lindell's products. When I got fed up with the chemical smell of other pillows, I figured my pillows made in the U.S. I'll give them a try. That was years ago. Now I own six pillows. I use their cotton towels, their 100% Giza cotton bed sheets, and I give them away as Christmas gifts. Every product has exceptional quality and attention to detail. Towels are thick, absorbent. Sheets are soft, smooth, high thread count. Our radio host, Tom, and everyone we know who's tried these products has the same experience. Use our code MENTORS to get a 60-day money-back guarantee and up to 60% discount. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash mentors. You must include the code MENTORS. That's MyPillow.com forward slash mentors or click the banner on our website. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially non Profits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at kml-pc.com. That's kml-pc.com. kml-pc.com. And mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. We were talking about curiosity and learning in the last segment before we went to break, and Ram Sharan has been a guest many times. He's world-renowned and uh, deals with high-level executives and throughout the world. Uh, the one thing uh, he will say, if you ask him about what he sees about with successful people, number one, they're very curious. Number two, they never stop learning. So your concerns are uh, well taken. Because here's somebody that's in the world of business and all sorts of economics and whatever, and he is able to see people and how they operate and what they bring to the table and curiosity and being, uh, they're voracious readers and writers and whatever. So 
we're going to be, uh, again, um, I guess I'd ask one question, though. I know you've watched a lot of movies. What's the one movie that you've watched that you could watch over and over again? Um, <laughs> the movie that I am just personally, I mean, I could only say there's two movies. One of them is Heat. Oh. Michael Mann. Yeah. And the other is Unforgiven. Oh, wow. Uh, Clint Eastwood Western. Those two. Um, I think that they are both genre films, but they are about so much more than just what it seems. You know, they're about the lives of men, the choices that men make, the ways that men try to redeem themselves and often fail and make choices that in their wisdom they realize maybe they wouldn't have all of those kinds of big ideas and issues and then we're going to close talking a little bit about uh, some of the things you teach uh, and one of the things that caught my attention is uh, storytelling and i think that's something that the audience would enjoy hearing about and tell me so you're working with science or people more on the science side the hard sciences and teaching them how to tell stories. So I, rather than tell me all about what you do, tell me what it is that makes a, when you're translating something like that to people that are less sophisticated in that area, what are the key elements to a good story? Well, first of all, a beginning, a middle, and an end. <laughs> Every story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And that helps us, if you think about it that way, that helps us start to organize our thoughts and start to organize the story. Uh, people are interested in stories about other people. So we need to look for a good character, usually to tell the story about, or sometimes we are the character. Sometimes it's that I. And then a couple other things about character, you know, you think about what world does it take place in? How much do you know about that world? Do you need to learn more? You know, think about the selection and arrangement of incident, which is much more what we would call plot than story. There's the great old saying from uh, E.M. Forster that the queen, the king died and the queen died is a story. The king died and the queen died of grief is a plot. So when we're thinking about our plots, we're starting to think about why. And so then we start choosing, selecting incidents and arranging them. And that's how we make a story. And that idea of selection and arrangement comes from Aristotle. So this is all old stuff. <laughs> it's pretty simple. And you just kind of hammer it in. And I often find that the STEM students, because they're used to learning formulas and learning theories and all this, they often work with it well. Well, you've got a lot to share. I know you don't do social media, but it would be worthwhile if you jumped on YouTube and did a couple of things. I think you have a lot to share with everybody. And that's going to be it till next week. We're out of time. 
Thank you, Anthony, for taking the time to talk about education and great teachers. We've been visiting with Anthony Walton, winner of the Whiting Writers Award and author of Mississippi and American Journey. When you're at our website, make sure you also go and look at past shows. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to future shows, mentorsradio.com. You can also listen to us online, any device, on any podcast platform. Join us next week at the same time for the next edition of the Mentors Radio Show. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember to be all you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.